Welcome back to another episode of the Basketball and Barbells podcast and actually the first official video podcast. Today we actually have a special guest, uh, Christina Chu. She is a board certified registered dietitian and nutritionist consulting in the sports performance nutrition field. She currently has her own private business, Christina Chu Nutrition, LLC, uh, where she consults with various performance organizations and also has clientele playing in the MLB, MMA fighters, D1 athletes, et cetera. And, all right, a little asterisk, she also collaborates with Gatorade Performance Partner as a captain. So one, I'm gonna make sure I plug everything for Christina because she also has a website, a ton of great stuff going on. But Christina, I just wanna say thank you for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having me, I'm excited to chat. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we kind of touched on it too, like when we were kind of going back and forth, setting this up, but I did have Brianna, uh, Brianna Butler on as well. And, and you even kind of said, yo, she's great at what she does. Shout out to Brianna, but- um, Shout yeah, out no. to Bree. <laughs> I texted her this weekend or, you know, late last week and asked for her help with something. So she is, is truly a gem and she's a mom, which I think I just respect that so much. Like I can't even take care of myself, let alone like, <laughs> child. And I'm a little human. <laughs> oh my gosh. God bless her. So she's great. Yeah. And so we know I had to, I knew I wanted to get a new uh, sports nutritionist on and especially in the space of being an entrepreneur, right? It's not easy. Uh, I've been there. I think a lot of listeners have been there. So definitely want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing, but first we definitely got to talk about the journey. So you talked about kind of like your love for sports, kind of being the catalyst for kind of getting into sports nutrition, but Essentially, you didn't actually want to work with athletes, but before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about kind of like you playing sports and maybe the interest you've got, you know, leading into nutrition and eventually sports nutrition. Yeah, I love that. Starting from a, a young age, I'll be honest, compared to other, you know, traditional athletes, I got into sports a little bit later. Um, I, I don't know, I, I just was never, I'll be honest, was never like I grew up playing peewee sports and stuff, but I never really took it seriously until I just loved like the competition. I loved the movement. I didn't realize that I loved it in a sports setting. Um, so for me, I was always really academic. Um, you know, I, I, I played an instrument like that being on stage, like that was definitely something that I loved until I realized, hey, like a lot of these skills are transferable to, to sports. Um, I re-picked up tennis, um, kind of in like the middle school level, I think. And I was like, okay, this is fun. <laughs> and that's where I feel like a lot of sports starts is as a kid, you're like, this is fun. And for me, I just wanted to continue that. I never, to be quite frank, wanted to take it super seriously. I knew I never wanted to play collegiate. I always wanted to be a dietitian from a young age. Um, and so for me, I was like, hey, this is, this is fine. This is competitive. This keeps me on a schedule, keeps me disciplined, has taught me so many lessons, um, certainly challenges to face as well. And I was actually the only one in my family to play high school sports. Um, so my parents were at the game with their, you know, their camcorders. Do you remember those? <laughs> like this low zoom. Yeah, they were there just like, I'm their first child to play sports. They would send um, the videos overseas to my grandparents. Like it was um, celebrity status, celebrity status, you know, within the two family, but um, playing high school, high school dentist. But yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly a, a unique, you know, upbringing. It, I was never a you know, my, my dad and my dad's dad played the sport, um, but it got me to where I am today. So I, I loved tennis. Um, 
always try to keep a good attitude about it too. I know sometimes, especially in, in the burbs, you know, people get really competitive, but for me, I was like, this is fun. I just want to continue to make it fun. And I've always loved the sport. Um, when I went to college, I actually became a tennis instructor. So like I said, I did not want to play college sports at all. I really wanted to focus on school um, and mm -hmm. becoming a dietitian. And I wanted to keep tennis in my life. So um, I was on work study and I, there's a work study fair. I walked up to the gym, you know, the people, the on-campus gym. And I said, hi, I play tennis and I would like to continue. What could I do for the gym? Do you have any instructor roles? And they were like, just looking for people to man the front desk. And, I'll, and they were like, ah, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and that's how I got my, my first job in college is I was a tennis instructor, only worked the weekends because of that high skill job, you know, paid a little bit more. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I gave myself a financial security while only really working on the weekends and, and some weekday nights. Um, so that kind of, I guess, started the entrepreneurial side of me is <laughs> just yeah, walking the, sale, up the saleswoman part of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like demanding a job of like, here are my skills. How can you help me? Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's always been a part of, you know, and I loved being active, that role kind of transitioned into becoming a personal trainer. Um, I, you know, love the training and exercise side of things. Um, becoming a trainer, I realized that this is I really do love nutrition. Um, I'm going to leave the training up to those who are really passionate about it, but it did help give me insight as to what it's like to work hands-on with people, um, you know, sort of the, the relationship that you have. Um, that transition on into being a cycling instructor, which I still do to this day um, at Equinox here in Chicago. And that for me is just fun. Um, music mm -hmm. is a big passion of mine on, you know, besides from nutrition. And so, you know, love listening to music, curating playlists, um, making mixtapes. Is that still a mm -hmm. thing? I think those are just Spotify playlists now, but um, that's <laughs> really my my jam, uh, no pun intended. So um, that's how, how that kind of transitioned yeah. out. But I always knew that, you know, sports and being active was a part of my career. Um, I made the grand mistake, um, and again, being fully transparent, thinking that athletes did not need help with their nutrition. I thought they had all the resources, you know, and I'm rolling my eyes now just thinking about it. But as a young college student wanting to study nutrition, I didn't even consider them. I thought, you know, you have to play college sports to work with athletes. Um, mm. You know, I had all these different misconceptions, maybe barriers that I put in my head. Um, and then throughout, you know, training, thinking I wanted to work in the corporate crowd, I said, this is nice, but I want more of a challenge. It always goes back to that. I want a challenge. And thinking about it, athletes are probably one of the most difficult group of people to work with. They're stubborn. I'm stubborn. You know, it, it's just, you know, two bulls trying to, trying to win. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the route I wanted to go, which led me to um, Boston University's sports nutrition practicum in my graduate program, um, which is basically where I worked at the BU fueling station. It had only been open for, I think, a year. Um, so a lot of it was like starting the fueling station, managing the inventory, 6 a.m. wake ups or 6 a.m. arrivals. Mm -hmm. I learned to love those. I thought I would hate it. But I mean, truly, when it was a job or, you know, a, an experience that really followed your passion, the night before, I remember being like, gosh, I can't wake up and be in that environment tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of 
confirmed me being like, yeah, athletes is where I want to be. Um, I had a great relationship with some of those strength coaches there. Um, ben Morris at uh, Bowling Green State, who I still talk to to this day. Shout out to Ben. Um, he was the strength and conditioning coach for their men's basketball team. He's helped me a lot too, and just been such a great role model from the strength conditioning side. And for me as a tiny nutrition student, like he really saw a lot of potential, which I'm still grateful for to this day. But that mm -hmm. really sparked everything and you know again I'm stubborn so I'm like this is what I need to do no question mm -hmm. that yeah and it's it's funny because you kind of you know just kind of like what you finished off of that no just hey like this is what I want to do like I'm going to make this happen right it's almost I forgot the quote it was like you should be unreasonable when it comes to you know your dreams your ambitions right um side I'm note though with a lot of things so. <laughs> she was like <laughs> not works. just the ambitions though <laughs> but yeah it does fit me um but even just kind of like you talk, talked about, like playing an instrument, what instrument did you play? Because I feel like you could have been a musician if this sports oh, thing didn't. Oh, I, I played the flute just like Lizzo did. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we both crushed it together. I will say, you know, I'm just one level below Lizzo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost there. So you could you could have been like, you, you could have been like a, like DJ Chris, pretty much. If you're making playlists, playing instruments, like uh yeah the music space it was almost it was this close but um I'm glad well I will say yeah I mean when I was playing both the flute and playing tennis at the same time I was playing in this orchestra at in Chicago so I would commute from the suburbs um you know go to these rehearsals come back late at night and in the fall I would have tennis so I couldn't make a lot of the rehearsals but would start up again and went in the winter months and the um, orchestra director called me and said, hey, like, we need someone to commit. So you either got to do like music full time or you can stay with your sports. <laughs> and like 16 year old me on the phone was like, um, yeah, I think I'll play tennis. So thanks so much for this experience. He goes, are you sure? Like, do you want to think about it? And I was like, no, like, I, I think I know what I want to do. <laughs> and then I was like, thank you. And then like, that was it because mm -hmm. I knew that tennis was going to help me in the, in nutrition more than music was, um, even yeah. though, you know, and I was starting to fall out of love with it, even though I picked it up again. So mm -hmm. it, it's crazy how that worked. But again, I was just like, I know exactly what I want to do. And I know the end goal of becoming a dietitian. And what am I going to do now that will help my career later on? So mm -hmm. it's always been very forward thinking for me. And, and like, here's the end goal get yourself there by whatever means you need to but mm -hmm. like always keep that vision in mind yeah and even kind of like you talked about you know just your sports nutrition practicum you know kind of being in that environment like you said you know showing up and getting started at 6 a.m so like the 5 a.m wake ups maybe early depending on where you had to commute um same thing like my internship i was working as an intern at university of south florida and our lifts would start at like 545, like warm ups, dynamics. And so, you know, those 5 a.m., 6 a.m. wake ups, uh, it's, it's a challenge, right? Not everyone wants to do them. But, you know, from your own experience, like when you were, you know, working that training table, working with the, the basketball teams and sports teams, um, like how, I guess that experience, did you kind of get that experience of collaborating with strength coaches and then the athletes, like building those relationships? Like, do you feel like that, that kind of a, uh, exposure kind of helped propel you to where is now you can help console others because you kind of develop those skills yeah absolutely I, th I think there's a lot of unspoken rules in athletics and you know um who you talk to who you don't talk to um 
and, you know, just having that engagement with those athletes. And we've all been there. There have been athletes that completely ignore you and, and <laughs> just, it is what it is, you know, but you, then you have some athletes who will genuinely talk to you and make those great connections. Um, and so it was just a good lesson to learn that don't get offended by everyone who doesn't talk to you because to you, they're just someone behind, you are just someone behind the counter making their smoothies. Um, they don't mm. understand the level of, of education and, and work that you've done to get there um and then you do see people who are like wow i can't believe you are also here at 6 a.m like thank you so much and we'll start asking you questions um and you know those are the ones that you you really got to cherish so mm. it's definitely taught me a lot of maybe underlying messages and like small skills and um i think just exposure is huge um and mm. just being in that environment and being so lucky to be in that environment to talk with the strength coaches and all the strength coaches at bu were so so open and nice and i had a lot of questions about you know, training and how does that overlap with nutrition? That was something I really wanted to hone in on is I've accepted the fact that I'm no longer a personal trainer. I will be a dietitian. Mm. How do I take these people who are so good at strength conditioning and take their knowledge? And like, how do I help them? Because in my head, I kind of accepted that you know, the, the um, fueling station was in the weight room. The weight room was not in the fueling station. And so we were pretty much accessory to strength conditioning. These athletes did not wake up and show up at 6 a.m. to go get a smoothie. They showed up and woke up at 6 a.m. to go to train. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, how can I help them? Because thinking that I'm going to be in the spotlight is like completely unrealistic. So what can I do to help maximize their training? What can I help do to make sure that, you know, the strength coach is not the one talking about supplements or pre-hydrate or pre-workout hydration, post-workout. Mm -hmm. Like how do I relieve that um, workload from them and make their life easier? So I've always kept that in mind. And I, I think that creates a really harmonious relationship as most, most strength coaches do recognize the importance of dietitians. They're just so, so, so busy. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's kind of like you talked about like the support right mm -hmm. so even like a, a strength and conditioning it's funny like you know I'm seeing the parallels but even with the strength coaches like if we're on like the basketball staff like typically we're under like support staff mm -hmm. and so same thing like if you know coach if he needs his players to be fast and he wants condition and do these things yeah I can still educate coach I can educate the players but ultimately he's calling the shots right mm -hmm. so I got to make sure I'm in a position to support them, right? And whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. And I, I hear the same thing, you know, for you, it's like, okay, cool. Like, like you said, the fueling stations in the weight room, how can I support whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish today? Um, and like you said, that, that's how you create that, like you said, that partnership. And it's not necessarily just working in silos. No. And I've heard from plenty of strength coaches, uh, a, a negative experience they have with dietitians that he, is a dietitian thinks that the whole, like they run everything and that's just not reality. And while we would love for that to be the case, <laughs> it's just like the reality that you got to accept. And then how do you make your way within just how this world works? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'll say like, I know to my athletes, you're not professional eaters. That's not your job. It's part of your job though, right? I want you to succeed on the court, but to backtrack from that, like to reverse engineer this, you need to eat breakfast. <laughs> you need to drink your sports drinks, like whatever the, the, the mm -hmm. tangible might be. And so it's like the communication piece is so huge as well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I've, 
I've expressed this to many dietitians as well too. I'm like, it's not your show. You do not run this ship. Somebody else does. And the way that you see success and will see growth is if you <laughs> accept that and then work within it. Yeah. And even kind of like talking about, I think you even touched on it too, like educating the athletes, which is, it's funny, right? Like we, I think even before I became a strength coach and worked in that, that field, it's like, oh yeah, the athletes, like they know how to take care of their bodies. Like they know what to eat. And like you said, it's some of the worst, especially basketball players, like, because they're running all day. They're all the skill development. They almost eat like a, a Twix for breakfast and then God knows what for lunch and dinner. But they're oh my god! At least they're eating twigs for breakfast. Most basketball <laughs> players I work with don't even eat breakfast. <laughs> they just wake up and they just throw their shoes on. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yes. But when it comes to like educating the the athletes, um, you know, you kind of talked about like building those relationships. Like, you know, how is it that you're able to, I guess, in your own way, kind of start to develop that trust? So when you kind of give those recommendations and insights, the players are taking that in and say, "All right, Christina's not just telling me this because she wants to talk." Like there's something behind this, you know, how are you even going to start building those, that trust factor and now making those influences? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure this answer might change in five, 10 years as, as I continue mm. to grow as a practitioner, but some things that have helped me is just to set those expectations up front. So oftentimes when I work with a, a basketball athlete, I'm the first dietitian that they've ever worked with or maybe they're second, but you know, they, they haven't come across a lot of one-on-one -on -one, um, dietetic experiences. So mm -hmm. I think I, for me, I try to um, debunk a lot of the misconceptions that they might have about working with a dietitian. So I will not take your favorite foods away. I will not just force you to eat, you know, food. Mm -hmm. Like it's a collaborative experience and I don't know all the answers. So I describe it as we can consider myself the expert in nutrition, but you're also the expert in yourself. And there's things about your past. There's things about your schedule, your preferences, your, you know, funky food habits. Like, for example, if you live with someone and you have a 6 a.m. practice, you're not going to blend a smoothie at five in the morning and wake, you know, whoever your roommate or your partner up. Little things like that do matter and do affect the decisions that you make. So there's a lot of things as an athlete that you're an expert on that I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of things about nutrition that you don't know. That's why you're reaching out. And so we need to meet somewhere in the middle to create the best plan that works for you. And this plan is different than your teammate's plan because they have a different lifestyle and, and, mm -hmm. and um, it's super individualized. And so when they're like, I can have ice cream or I can, you know, I don't have to give up fried chicken or, or Chick-fil-A can still be a part of my diet. Like, absolutely. Yes. I'm not unrealistic. Like I love Chick-fil-A too. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Is my question. Yeah. Chick-fil-A over canes every single day. And I will start wars for that. Um, facts. I know. I know. Facts. Um, but like, it is about giving them some, uh, autonomy as well as that is one the ethical thing to do Two, part of the medical model as well right like your doctor is not forcing any treatments on you your dietitian is not going to force any diets on you you're the one that needs to make those decisions and three I feel like sometimes athletes don't get that autonomy in other parts of their life 
coach tells you exactly what to do. Your team tells you what kind of shoes you need to wear. You can say this, you can't say that. But to finally have some control over their diet with some guidance, some, some you know, in the right direction, like that is super empowering and motivating and honestly shapes you to be a better athlete than to just yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes I find that athletes who are able to think critically and, and try and integrate this into their life, see long-term success versus, um, you know, someone who, who is very receptive to orders, but doesn't know how to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a great point, honestly. Just like you said, it's one, the collaborative experience, making sure like, hey, like there's so much uh, personalization, individualization that needs to come from this because lifestyle, background, everything involved. And then just like you said, at the very end, you know, I can tell you what to eat, but at the end of the day, what are you going to learn from that? When I'm gone, right? Like, and you go do your own thing, whether it's you leave basketball or whatever the case is, like you're not able to think for yourself and think critically. And so it's, it's lifestyle changes, it's behavior changes that you're trying to influence that way. If, and when, you know, like, Hey, Christina, thank you. I think I'm gonna go do this. They still have those lessons. And I think as a coach, the same thing, like I, I want to, yes, guide you. Um, at the same time, like, Hey, this is the reason why I'm doing this. So if you're not around Xavier anymore and you're like, ah, man, like what do we used to do for, for knee pain? Oh yeah. We used to do Spanish squats and they know, okay, cool. Like that's part of their lifestyle. But yeah, I like that fact that you kind of ended on that note, like, hey, like, I'm not just telling you what to do, right? I'm giving you some autonomy. It's we're working as a team. I'm teaching a man how to fish, not just giving him the fish. And that I think is is so crucial. And, and uh, sad to say, it doesn't happen that often in the sports world. I think oftentimes there's a, a big ego in, in the sports world, and especially former athletes who are now working in sports. Um, there's always that little bit that's like, I used to do this, or this is what mm. I know the best, or um, this is going to help me as somehow, you know, like a former athlete. And mm. I think it's a really hard mental bur- burden to jump and to be like, I am no longer the former athlete. Like you, that will always be a part of you, but I'm a practitioner. Again, I don't run this show. They do. How do I help support them? We have so many egos in the room. You can tell, and an ego is protective. So it's not a bad thing, but like, we need Mm -hmm. to understand that. And we need to help the athletes, not ourselves. We need to help our athletes. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. After you actually left, and I kind of wanted to, to touch on this a little bit, um, it was after, you know, you left BU, we actually, or I think it was during, actually, you flew to the UFC uh, Performance Center. Uh, yeah. Was that, it was during or after? Um, so to become a dietitian, you need to do your dietetic internship. It's basically mm-hmm. like a residency, but for nutrition. Um, so it was through my school. It was technically during, but I wasn't taking any classes. Um, okay. We had an elective rotation where we were able to kind of pick any dietitian that we wanted to work under as long as obviously they were okay with it too. And um, besides the practicum, I didn't really have any other experiences. So I knew I wanted to, to do that in the sports realm versus in the hospital or, you know, at a community center. And I um, cold emailed Clint Lautenberg from the USC Performance Institute and told him where I was, where I wanted to be. I, again, had this just newfound love for sports nutrition and knew exactly that's what I wanted to do. I like a challenge. And I said, <laughs> I said, would be the hardest athlete to work with. So let alone athletes are the hardest people to work with. And then now who would be the hardest among the hardest of athletes to work with? And in my head, I was like, 
weight class. You know, not only do oh, they have sure. athletes, but now they have to step on a scale and make sure that they're at a certain weight. And the expectation is not that you stay at your weight, you're higher, you have to cut down. There's like a game before the game. Oh, and yeah. I was like, that's it. And I reached out to a bunch of people, to be honest, but frankly, Clint was the only one that got back to me, you know, because there's a lot of rules and, um, you know, regulations and stuff like that. And that taking an intern is really challenging for a lot of institutions, but he was like, yeah, it's a great learning opportunity. Like, come on over. So I was like, okay. <laughs> Afterwards, I was like, how do I get there? <laughs> I need a hotel, like, I didn't think about the logistics until afterwards. I was just a dreamer and I was like, this is what I, this is such a fascinating group. I have zero experience with thus far, but like, mm -hmm. I want to know everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I went and, and, you know, they accepted me with open arms and we're such a great staff um, of, of people to work with um, and just observe honestly with, with bright eyes and just like, wow, this is the coolest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, that was my elective rotation during my internship. Um, I've learned so much from them and, and I've, it didn't scare me away from working with combat athletes. It in fact pushed me. I thought they need help. Like I've had conversations with, with um, some of the athletes there and they're scared, you know, they're, they're confused. There's a lot of information out there. They're usually on like they're alone. Um, they don't, you know, I think you get the glitz and the glam of pro sports, but a lot of these fighters don't make a ton of money. So how do you create this healthy weight descent plan on a budget? And me, I'm like, oh, I love doing that. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, that's the, that's the reality of a lot of sports too, is, is the budgeting um, besides the glitz and the glamour. So seeing the, the big need that they had, seeing that there's not a lot of practitioners in this space, that they're just the funniest people to work with and just so genuine and like weird. And I'm like, yeah, I'm. <laughs> right there with you um I was like I I need to work with these athletes um so Clint has been and and the team has been an amazing role model and you know uh, I remember for my first client I I called Clint I was like I just want to make sure I'm doing this right like <laughs> that gave me the guidance and the like reassurance again he didn't tell me what to do but he let me figure it out on my own and and kind of gave me that confirmation and like basically shaped me into be an amazing practitioner for these weight class athletes um so yeah. it all kind of started from that rotation yeah and it's funny because you you kind of talked about like all right i know i'm i want to go here i know this is the experience i need and then you like oh well damn how am i going to get there right <laughs> like it, it's it's like part of it too like i've actually done that before right i was in ohio at the time and there was like this conference and it was like um a couple basketball strength coaches that i've always wanted to meet and one of them was kind of like someone I looked, you know, in a sense looked up to. And I was just like, I got to go there. So I bought the ticket to the conference and I was like, damn, I don't know how I'm going to get there. So uh, I don't even know if I told the story too much, but I flew in, had, we did the conference like on a Saturday and I actually didn't go to get a hotel. I actually just kind of just stayed in the, in the actual airport and just like did like work while in the airport. I stayed up all night in the airport and flew back the next day. Like it was it was the craziest trip. I don't, so I'm not recommending any listeners to, to do that. But for me, it was like, you know, I, I wanted to be there and I knew I needed that experience. And to this day, like I'm still close friends with, you know, those coaches. And it was like, if I, were, I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have never met them. And it's the same thing with you. Like 
now that's like a mentor for life because you made that decision to go there, get that experience. And like you said, it's, I mean, it's kind of far from Boston, right? And you had to make it work. It so. <laughs> yeah, it was far. We had to book a hotel. So my dad ended up coming with me. He was like, you're, I'm not letting you go to Vegas alone. Like just from a mm. safety perspective, he was like, that's not happening. And he works remotely. So my dad came with me. We got like the cheapest hotel, which you should not do while you're in Vegas. But we <laughs> And, you know, it was like, you go to the UFCPI, you like absorb all these amazing things as a student, you go back to your rinky-dink hotel that smells like cigarettes, and then you like sleep, and then you just leave the next day. Like, yeah, I mean, you 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 don't see the other side, but like, oh yeah, it's so worth it for the experience that you get. Looking back, yeah, maybe I would have stayed at a nicer hotel and, and <laughs> you know, budgeted for that, but it's all part of the fun, you know, it's all part of the glitz and the glam. Now I've been on the receiving side of that where I've had a student um, come and see me speak. Um, the student drove two and a half hours one way to come see me speak for an hour and then drove back. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> I was <laughs> on the other side, just like not comprehending what's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. and, I really respect that a lot. It's those little things that matter. Um, and yeah, I mean, to this day, I'm like, I need to help. I need to help this, this student, however I can. Yeah. They did that for me. Uh, and so I need to, I need to pay them back. Yeah. It always comes full circle. I, I had, I think I had the same experience where I had a, um, an athlete that I was in Florida at the time I lived in Orlando and they were in Miami. So Miami's like four hours from Orlando yeah. and they were like, hey, like, are you coming to Miami? I was like, uh, not anytime soon. Oh, I'll come see you. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, are we meeting halfway? They're like, no, I'll just come to Orlando. I was like, you're trying to drive four hours to see me? And so it's like, in my head, I, I couldn't, you know, one, you're humbled, but also two, you're just like, oh, wow. You know, I think both of us are in a way, like we want to give back to help others. And so when we see things like that, like we were in that spot. Or like, okay, like you said, I want to help this student. I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And same thing with the athlete. I was like, look, don't drive four hours. Like, we'll do something virtual or something. But, well, I'm not going to have you, you know, drive eight hours to see me for an hour. Um, but it's just like you said, you know, you you want to make sure you take care of people and you want to be a resource. Because, I mean, we were there. We were there sleeping on top of the, in the shady motel, on top of the covers. Hopefully you can sleep in the covers. But, <laughs> you know, things like that. It's just, it's part of the story. You know, I think you got to want to have that ambition. And I don't think a lot of, I don't know if everyone could do that, you know, they would maybe just politely decline or say, you know, I'll find someone closer to me or, you know, but I feel like when the opportunity presents itself, there's a certain person that's just like, we'll think later and, and we'll just yeah. take action. Now and just think later. Yeah, exactly. And I think that yields such amazing opportunity. Yeah. And even, even talking about, talking about this part uh, for you, like after leaving BU and then going into consulting, right? And then, or at least on part of the journey, um, when you did get into consulting, what is that kind of, before we get into any, you know, specifics, what is it that kind of pushed you into kind of going in and creating your own private practice? I know, you know, you kind of talked about like having that entrepreneur spirit, but what is it that you're like, you know what, I can do this. Yeah, you know, I can do this on my own. Um, I don't think it's going to be as inspirational as an answer as one might <laughs> prefer, but it kind of happened out of necessity. So I became a dietitian, passed my board exams, February of 2020, and everything shut down 
just a couple weeks later. And at the time I was still living in Boston, I had started to make connections, you know, within sports, within the corporate world too. I lived right in the city. Um, and then it was, you know, things happened. We won't talk about it. Things happened. And everyone was like, okay, like we'll, we'll talk to you in about two weeks. Like when we open back up and nothing, you know, haven't talked to them since, but it got to the point where um, I ended up moving to Chicago um, and it was out of necessity. It was out of the fact that I had to pay rent and there was minimal income coming in and rent is very expensive. So, it, I mean, I was applying for jobs, applying for fellowships, like and applying for non-dietitian jobs as well. Anything that would get me some sort of income so I can sustain myself. Mm -hmm. literally have a roof over my head and at that time no one was hiring like no no one knew what was happening in the world every company was trying to conserve versus expand um and i i don't know i i was a new dietitian in a new area with no connections and i feel like that's how you get a lot of jobs if someone knows somebody i knew nobody and i basically was like well i gotta make money somehow and <laughs> Started, like someone reached out to me my very first client reached out to me I did not let them know it was my first client um but they were like the first person that was like I'm gonna pay you for nutrition and as a as a just former student you're like what <laughs> you know, it's the, first time, the first time that that happens and you're like wait I am the professional now I am not the student and I figured everything else like out while I was preparing for this client. Again, not letting them know that this is my first client, kind of figuring mm -hmm. everything out as we go. There's a common theme here. Um, and <laughs> on my first client, that pushed me to create my LLC, that pushed me to have some sort of routine, some sort of system and plan. Certainly, yes, there were late nights and and just like so much doubt and so much fear, but sometimes that's a really great motivator to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. That expanded. Um, I think one of the first initi initiatives I did um, once I kind of started picking up was working with trainers, strength coaches, athletic trainers, physical therapists, coaches, um, athletic directors, doctors, anyone to get them in to do a one-on-one -on -one nutrition session with me. So they would put mm -hmm. on the client role and I would be the practitioner. And I'd say, take off your, your um, practitioner hat and let me coach you um, to give them some sort of exposure to what it's like working with a dietitian. And then yeah. they have an amazing network. And, and anytime that they, um, you know, something nutrition related come up, I would be the first person that they would think of. Um, and that has just kind of been domino affecting for two years. Um, I'm very lucky to say so, but I kind of started out of necessity, which I mean, it was mm -hmm. a scary time. I'm, I'm not telling a lot of things. It was a very, very scary time to be in that position of being in the red, right? And being like, where am I gonna live? Um, can I afford this rent? Like, what do I need to do to have a roof over my head? Mm -hmm. But um. I don't know, it, it shapes you into the person that you are today. Yeah, and even you kind of talking about that, I think that's part of what I, I love having people talk about on the podcast. Like, not because I'm like, I, I like to talk talk about anyone's 
you know, struggles or tough times, not because I love misery or anything, but I think it's it's important. To, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to touch on like, yes, the success, like, you know, you're doing your thing, but I also talk about like, hey, like these are the things that also happen, right? For anyone that's listening that does want to be in your shoes or whatever, I think it's important to like, hey, like this is reality. You know, we just don't, I think a lot of times, like when people reach out to me and ask, hey, how do I be a strength coach? How do I work with basketball? It's like, all right, well, there was a period where I stood in my car for a month. Like, do you want to do that? Like, that's part of the story. And so I appreciate you for just for sharing that. Because like you said, you your back was against the wall and you're like, all right, well, I got to make this happen. And yeah, one thing led to another. And even the, the free game about working with strength coaches and having them kind of fulfill the role of a client, like that's so smart. Like you can charge off that that free game by itself. So I don't know if you're, <laughs> I'm giving you some uh, business ideas, but I really think that's that's a really smart idea. Well, in my head, you know, I, I think there are so many different um, ways to go about business. There's no one right way. Mm. Um, that, like ethics are very important for me. For me, I need to do the right thing. And business is, is can be kind of snaky and slimy sometimes. And I don't like that. I like building those connections. I like helping people, um, which can nip you in the bud sometimes, which is when you need to become kind of, you know, on, on the mm -hmm. other uh, spectrum. But for me, it was all about making those connections. So I've been in the other shoes where someone tries to, you know, ask me for referrals and it's very salesy and cookie cutter and, you know, you ugh, like, it just does not feel good versus the people who in the end want new clients, right? It's the same end goal, but the way that they remember little details about you, the way that they value as a human, the way that they're able to hold a conversation, like it's those little things that matter. And you can find good dietitians. You can also find bad dietitians. You can find good strength coaches. You can find bad strength coaches. Right. And so for me in being in that position of starting from nothing. And I knew that I wanted to build a practice. Like if we're going to do this, we're going to do this the right way. I'm going to build those connections with people earlier on. Um, I needed help. So for me, it was like, I, I need to go out there and ask for help, which is so scary for me. Um, mm -hmm. But it led me to a, a bunch of really great connections in the area and virtually as well too. Um, and everything was a learning experience. Um, but like, there are people out there who are willing to help. And I think that's kind of a scary concept to accept because there are plenty of people out there who won't help and will slam the door in your face, but it's that one person who does, who can really make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. That's, that's a word. I'll, I gotta leave that at that. Um, <laughs> when you do, so kind of getting a little bit more into, you know, your business. So let's say you're, you're intaking a new athlete and let's just say obviously basketball and barbell. So we'll say a basketball athlete, uh, typically, <laughs> typically like, you know, what are as much as you can share some assessments or some, some things that you're going to have, you know, the client kind of maybe go through, maybe some uh, conversations you're going to have with them in order to, you know, begin to create that personalized nutrition plan. Yeah. So every athlete starts um, with me with a 60 minute initial assessment. Before then, they need to fill out their intake forms. These intake forms allow me to see any past medical history, what their goals are. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone asked you in person, what are your goals? It's like a really awkward conversation to have. You're like, um, like in life or in sport, like, it's just so much easier to just type it out in advance and be like, let me think about this and write it into words versus like, in the moment you're like, uh, get better at my sport. 
Like there's no, it's just a, such a hard question to answer. So answering about their goals, past medical history, any diets that they tried in the, in the past, um, uh, any medication supplements that they're taking, like just pretty much simple questions that will give me some background information. So that way we make the most out of our 60 minutes together. Um, in addition to that, they'll fill out a self-assessment um, based on subjective data. So in nutrition, um, there aren't a lot of numbers that we can work with. Um, first of all, sure, we can maybe trap calories and trap macros, but the numbers on our labels can be off by 20%. That's a big variance. Um, and that's a variance I don't really trust that well, to be honest. Um, what I do trust is portion sizes. So like numbers, macros can be helpful, but sometimes not. Um, weight could be a helpful uh, biometric to, to track as well, but that's impacted by so many things, fluids, um, muscle mass, obviously, um, but it could be impacted by if you drank alcohol, it could be impacted by if you had a salty meal, if you sweated a lot, there's also a lot of factors there, but it's easy to get. Um, then you can move into like your DEXA, your BIAs, but those are expensive. And my athletes, um, I only work with athletes out of pocket. So they pay to come see me. And so they're already paying a lot of money and to make, to be that practitioner that's like, okay, like, thanks for my check, but I'm going to make you pay for all these additional things. Like it again, feels fine. I don't like that. Um, unless mm -hmm. they are too, it's good measurements, but again, it's just more money that I want to be really respectful of. So Mm -hmm. I find that the subjective data, so analyzing how they feel um, and what they can self-report can be really useful because I work with a lot of virtual athletes, so I can't see you face-to-face -face or the, the rest of your body besides just your, your upper <laughs> back. Um, and sometimes I'm baking on, you know, the strength coaches assessment. So teaching my athletes how to become in tune with their body is huge. So it's things like, um, how often do you feel like you hit a wall, you know, where you, um, or you're at a game, a tournament, even practices or strength sessions where you feel like you can go more, but you can't, right? That's hitting a wall because sure, that could be something strength related, but it could also very much so be we're under fueling, maybe we're not getting enough hydration in, pre-workout fueling, sleep, like it could be a lot of nutrition related factors too. Um, it's asking questions like um, how often do you experience bloating or um, you feel nauseous during your sessions. Think about how that impacts a, um, a strength conditioning session. If you were nauseous, if they checked off um, once, one or two times per week, that is huge for us to manage. And that matters so much more than the macronutrients that they're tracking in their app haphazardly. <laughs> um, because that starts to impact the results of your training session. And then thus, instead of seeing the growth that you wanna see, if we're not able to put in all that work, our growth might start to become less mm. efficient. So it's subjective assessments like that, that I use that we start off with in that intake form. So we can see where we're starting off with. It's how confident you feel in your nutrition. It's, do you think about food all the time? It's, um, do you feel like nutrition is a stressor in your life? And if we're able to reduce that, if nutrition feels less like a stressor, that's a huge win for me um, and for both of us. So um, that's pretty much what that intake part looks like. Assessments will be more so what they're eating. Obviously, we're here to talk about nutrition, um, you know, how they're, how they're training, how they're feeling during their games, um, hydration. We'll talk about that as well. Naturally, we talk about what goes in your body. We need to talk about what goes out of your body too. So um, urine colors, bowel movements, we'll talk about all of that. Um, 
And with the assessment, I like to walk away with some, some action items. I'm a very action-oriented person. Um, my job is to make nutrition as easy as possible for my athletes. There's a lot of numbers, a lot of science, a lot of thinking considerations, but I will you know, kind of eat that, <laughs> no pun intended, and then I'll spit out something that's very tangible um, for the athlete. So for example, I actually just had a weight gain basketball athlete um, a couple days ago. And for his goals, basically wrote out what he was currently eating, because that's a great place to start with. I don't want to change anyone's uh, diet completely because that's not obviously doable. And then I just bolded what he would need to add. So it was like adding your high fat foods, adding your caloric beverages, um, what to buy at the grocery store, because we're introducing some new foods that he hasn't had in a while um, to help him with his weight gain. Um, you know, how often is he going to log his weight and how, and how often is he going to take pictures of his food? So like that's the action item, which I am huge for, you know, we can talk all we want, but like, as long as the action gets done, that's where you're going to see your results. Um, and so that's typically what happens in that assessment and a lot of other things, but for now, we'll just, we'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I love the fact that you won, like you're taking not only just objective numbers, like you said, but also like, there's also subjective pieces to it because nutrition is, is yes, like there's a science behind it. Uh, but there's also a lot of it's going to be, like you said, the action items behind it, it's, it's behavior change, like something you're typically not necessarily doing some things that you're not necessarily considering. And even just getting to understand like how confident you feel in your nutrition, right? And that's, that's a question like, it's, it's funny because like we think, of, think about it now, I'm like, oh yeah, like that'd be a great question. But, you know, in the moment, we may not necessarily consider that and going to a someone like you, a professional who is considering these things, like, I, I think that makes all the difference. And I think you kind of touched on it a little bit as well. Um, I kind of want to dive a little bit more into it. But uh, the next question I actually had was, you do get like, let's say a basketball player and Typically, like when they're going to college, if they're going to the next level, uh, whatever have you, or the next season, they're like, hey, coach, like, I need you to put on 20 pounds. And let's say like, it, it's like, 20. yeah, yeah, it's always 20. Like, it's, it's like, do you guys just like pick that out of a hat? But I have, well, actually, I have one coach that said 25 pounds or like 30. Ooh, I was like, he's an over. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, I was like, you're going to have offensive linemen. Um, but yeah, so it's like, for me, when I see that, I have a, a, a tall, lanky basketball player oh yeah, let's put 20 pounds on them. And usually it's within like two months. Um, can you talk about like whenever you do get a basketball player who comes to you and like, I need to gain 20 pounds in like a month and a half, two months. Uh, one, like maybe the reasons why we shouldn't try to put on so much weight so quickly. And then two, maybe, you know, your own process of, you know, safely putting on that, that lean body mass they're actually looking for. Yeah, um, I know. Why is it always 20 pounds? Like, is that just like... <laughs> I feel like it's like an unspoken to, rule. <laughs> yeah, if I were to walk into a meeting full of basketball coaches and I just said the word 20 pounds, they'd be like, oh yeah, right there. We, we like her. We like her. Like, yeah, we'll keep her around. Um, no, uh, yeah. I, anyways, the number goals, I find that, and I'm sure you relate too, it's more about how you feel in that body, that new body, that, you know, heavier body versus the number on the scale. And these coaches, I, I'll give them credit. They have a lot of experience working with these athletes, growing them into becoming better athletes and probably see better results with the heavier guys, especially for basketball, because they tend to stay on the lighter side. Mm -hmm. um, with that though, again, as I said before, I like to set the expectations in advance. So weight is secondary to your performance. 
the one exception is your weight class athletes. <laughs> um, but I'll even tell my weight class athletes, right? Like, sure, for them, it's like, yeah, you can lose, let's say 20 pounds, but you know, anything is possible. I can make you lose 20 pounds, but it's about how you feel in that body. Because sure, you might weigh in at that weight, but the main goal is not to weigh in. The main goal is to win your fight. So I want to keep that long-term long goal into consideration and not just be so naive and only think about your weight. Anyone can make you lose or gain 20 pounds in, in X mm -hmm. amount. Like that's what every product out there is claiming to do, but what they're kind of not addressing is how you're feeling in your body and doing it in a healthy and safe way or the sustainability piece, right? Are we able to keep that weight on? You could eat a big meal and probably put on like five, six pounds, but that's going to go away really soon. Um, so genu genuinely speaking, I like to set the expectation up front. Um, it's not action items, it's not material, but it it is an expectation that they need to understand and be aware of. Some athletes will never get it and that's fine by me, but you know, I'm, I'm here to help the athletes that do have an open mind. Um, so mm -hmm. when we talk about weight gain, um, anywhere from a half pound to two pounds a week, depending on their size. So averaging about a pound a week is, is preferred um, for sustainable weight gain. If you want them to stay at that weight. So if you want to put on 20 pounds, that takes 20 weeks, not eight. Um, so is this something that your coach is willing to flex on? Do they really care about 20 pounds? Or are they just trying to motivate you to gain something and set the bar high? And, you know, you can always fall, fall back. Um, and, you know, getting them to understand that if you do gain 20 pounds in six to eight weeks and it actually happens, you might feel really sluggish. You might feel really and distended you might become slower actually at your sports and, and conditioning um, you might not recover as well you might not sleep well so these are all things to keep in mind and that it's not just like shooting darts in the dark but like <laughs> there is a science there is um you know a a, a system to this chaos um, mm. with that uh, i encourage them to well, the first one, honestly, is like, are you eating breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we go back to that, but it's the truth, for, especially for basketball players. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is just such a trend that I see. I, I don't know why for basketball. I don't know if it's the early mornings. I don't know if it's the, um, maybe they experience you know, any kind of digestive issues in the morning. Um, it could be tradition. It could be what they grew up on, just running out of the house, going to school. Uh, I don't know, but um, oftentimes it's like, okay, can we make sure to get some calories in in the morning? Um, oftentimes with basketball, I see either long practices or back-to-back -back practices or practice and strength conditioning and, you know, mm. a long framework of training, um, which means, you know, are you drinking a sports drink? Are you drinking, you know, a Gatorade um, during your practices? And most of them will say no. Most of them will say no, why? well, it has a lot of sugar in it. And, you know, for some reason, like they're like trying to gain weight, but like they won't eat sugar. And you're like, that's a third of your macronutrients. Okay. Um, well, why, you know, why is that bad for you? Oh, well, like sugar is bad. Okay. But why? And like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Can I swear in here? I'm not trying to be an Go asshole. Ahead. Okay. Whoops. Um, perfect. You can bleep that out. Um, but like, I'm trying to get them to change and sometimes you can't coddle 
-hmm. And it's funny, I'll actually tell you a story. I was working with this post-collegiate basketball player, trying to go pro, um, trying to put on weight naturally. And I asked him, can you drink a, you know, a, he said he liked Gatorade. Can you drink a Gatorade, you know, during your, one of your three practices that are back to back? After we just talked about why he would need that sugar during his workout and why he would need those electrolytes. He's like, no, he's like, I can't do it. I go, okay, well, what about a liquid IV? He was like, I'll do that. And in my head, I'm like, don't tell him that liquid IV has sugar. Like do not <laughs> win the war. Liquid IV also has sugar and electrolytes, but it's what he would drink and very much, you know, and I'm sure you see this a lot with basketball players, very much so in tune with what's trendy, what's online, um, mm -hmm. what you media and the liquid IV gets all the hype. And so I was like, all right, let's do a liquid IV then. <laughs> Promise me that you can do a liquid IV and then, you know, we'll, we'll call it uh, quits at that. Um, like it's, it's little things like that, that you're like, all right, we'll just, this is reality. Like, we'll just make it work. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, so consuming some sort of sports drink or liquid IV um, during your uh, training sessions is helpful. And then let's make sure on top of getting breakfast and getting calories in throughout the day, um, let's make sure that we're maximizing those calories. So are you consuming things like fats? Are you like, basically, are you avoiding large salad, salads, um, sweet greens, for example, right? Like try not to get a sweet green after practice. It may seem healthy, but you just burn thousands of calories. And on top of that, you're trying to put on weight. Like that's not the best option for you at that. And so, um, you know, are they eating burritos, for example, at Chipotle versus eating a bowl or a salad? Um, are they getting extra sauces with their Chick-fil-A versus no sauce, which is psycho. I mean, who would do no sauce yeah. with their... I was like cheat day. <laughs> yeah. But like like letting them know that the rules are the lines mm -hmm. are blended because they, they need to put on weight and you know they're allowed to have certain foods because we need to get the calories in with some sort of extent though, because we want to make sure that they're not putting on too much weight, that they will feel distended, slow, loaded, um, and then you know find that balance too with their workouts. Um, it's, it is quite complex. Um, there are certainly, you know, you can put on weight without seeing a dietitian or having any sort of plan. But my question is, are you putting on weight efficiently and are you supporting um, your sport performance in the process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's and it, it's like, um, well, one, like, yes, you can cuss on the Basketball Barbells podcast. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but two is like, you kind of touched on it too, is like, subtle changes right like are you getting a burrito versus just getting the bowl right and even like getting getting breakfast with the athletes um quick little I guess like anecdote question um so like I have the same issue right like we had matter of fact we had a lift this morning at six and you know same thing like they're younger they're high school so they're like still trying to wake up like rubbing their eyes like as they walk in but for someone who's like hey I can't eat right after I wake up you know, maybe what would, what could you recommend? I know, you know, um, you might have touched on it earlier, but uh, especially for like younger athletes, maybe you've seen it where you're like, look, if you're not going to eat a full meal, like let's at least get these things, you know, that way we're at least able to perform, you know, this amount of time before practice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see it all the time. So um, I compare your stomach and your digestive system to like a rubber band. 
So like a rubber band, um, if this has been sitting on my wrist for a very long time, it'll naturally get bigger. However, it's if it if I just leave it on the table, it'll naturally shrink. So your stomach is adaptable like that, and it has to be. Um, it's been bred thousands of years to, to do so. And so if we're used to not eating in the morning, your stomach is just going to be used to being really small. But just like how we can train our muscles and train our mind and train everything else in our body, we can also train your nutrition. And I think a lot of athletes tend to think in snapshots like this immediate moment. Sure, the first time that you try to eat something in the morning, you might feel uncomfortable because you're not used to it. But it's the repetition that helps you. Um, same thing applies for training. It's like after your first workout with Xavier, you're going to feel sore. But do you just quit? <laughs> right? Do you just one workout and then you're sore? And then you're like, I'm not, I'm not doing strength conditioning ever again. No, like it's like missing free throws. And you're like, you miss one and you're like, I'm done with this sport. <laughs> Why we don't do that in any other scenarios. Why are we doing this with nutrition? So we need to train our stomach to handle these stimuluses to get stronger, better, you know, more adaptable to our sport. Now, with that being said, like going straight from nothing to like a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich might not be the best solution because what you're doing is you're taking that small little stomach and just exploding it with food, <laughs> but instead like start small. So one of the best suggestions that I like to make is to start with some kind of juice in the morning. Most athletes will drink something at least, um, but can you switch that over to more of your high sugar um, beverage? for not only getting some sort of calories in, but on top of that, that sugar is the most preferred source of energy during those early morning lifts. And then afterwards, maybe we can have a more formal breakfast. Um, mm -hmm. That juice might turn into an applesauce, might turn into an apple, might turn into you know uh, some toast, maybe some bananas on a toast, maybe some banana peanut butter and toast. Like we can always kind of push the limit there, but we have to start somewhere right like yeah. you weren't six years old playing basketball and just completely dunking it like it took, <laughs> it took repetition same thing for your nutrition so I think again setting that expectation with these athletes that it is not a one-time shot and then you're going to get it done it's the it's the habits it's the repetition it's the practice um, that will help make sure that you're doing this for a long time yeah and LeBron might have been dunking at six years old. Maybe the only six-year-old ever to dunk a basketball. <laughs> um, no, and that's 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 a that's great advice. Just because one, like you said, it's it's starting very simple. All right, all right cool. Let's just let's get some type of fluids in us, like some liquids with some sugar in it. Okay, cool. Like you said, okay, like applesauce, banana, whatever have you, and then so on and so forth. But yeah, it's it's starting small. We're not asking anyone to cook eggs and and toast. You know, like before for breakfast, and it's like come on, dude, you're, you don't even drink water before breakfast. So no, I like that because it's a, it's a way for us to, to progressively overload in a way, kind of, you know, as far as the nutrition aspect of it. Um, yeah. Progressive overload. That's a great way to describe it. Um, in regards, like working with, um, with basketball, you know, there's kind of different, you know, seasons, I would say like there's the off season, there's preseason in season, uh, postseason, like championships. Um, dudes, if, Quite correct me if I'm wrong, but is there any changes to that nutrition, like de depending on the, the times of the year? Because in off season, typically they're doing a lot of skill development, especially nowadays, AU, um, whereas in season, the focus is more on 
working with their school, maybe doing a lot more conditioning. And then depending on the school, depending on where you are, maybe they don't lift in season, they're just practicing. So um, they also have games. So does that uh, plan change as they kind of go through these seasons or are we kind of building some consistency with the with the actual plan? Yeah, so typically for um, preseason, that's when I like to focus on the weight changes. Um, mm. Think about, I mean, it's a, I tell my fighters this, like it's a 52 week fight camp, you know, it's not just eight weeks. So then you drop off the, the face of the planet, which most <laughs> of them do, but those decisions that you make when you're not in your intensive competing time affect it equally, if not as more, uh, sorry, it is thunderstorming, which is why I had to change my lighting. It is all good. Terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, preseason, I tend to focus on like the weight changes. It's very hard to gain weight while you're in season, just given the volume of games and competitions and practices and all of that stuff. It's more so about like, if you maintain weight, that's a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. Most guys and gals tend to, to drop weight. Um, so that's pretty much the main focus. Um, changing any nutrition would happen in the preseason as well. Preseason is pretty much practice for in season. And so like, are we learning how to cook? You know, if that was appropriate, are we trialing out our different pre, during and post-workout, you know, options so we can figure out the best one that works for us. I find that a lot of basketball players like routine. So, you know, they wear the same clothes, the same, you know, necklace or same socks or, you know, listen to the same song before their games. Are we eating the same snacks? You know, are we integrating nutrition into that? And that can be part of your routine. Um, so we're finding what works best for you. You're shuffling through your playlist and saying, okay, what mm -hmm. do I want to do? It's going to be Lizzo with her flute. We know it. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like figuring that out is really important in the preseason. Then during the season, during their games, almost like survival mode, you know, you're, you're trying to make it through. You have four games in two days, like you're like almost at the, at the verge of injury. Like what is, it's just chaos. Um, and mm. so it's more so about what you've done all the work in the preseason to maintain your routine. Can we continue that throughout the season? It's a lot of travel nutrition too. If they're either flying or at least, you know, having local tournaments, um, where are you stopping at? You know, are you going to Chick-fil-A, Chipotle? I mean, honestly, this podcast should be sponsored by Chick-fil-A and Chipotle by the amount of time <laughs> we talked about them. Shout um, out to Chick-fil-A and Chipotle. Shout out. Yes. Um, pay for my guac. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, where are they going for, you know, their fast food options, right? Um, and so it's a lot of like day-to-day -day stuff. What is their... Um, during their game, like feeling look like, um, any changes that we need to make. Um, but it's a little bit more hands-off while they're in season because I mean, logistically, there's just no time to meet because they're so busy with everything else. Yeah. And um, yeah, just kind of like you touched on it is like survival mode, right? It's just like, all right, let's just make it to the, especially like towards, you know, high school, let's say like towards February where championships before March were like, almost hanging on by a thread, you know, if no one's hurt. And then obviously like, you know, college and the NBA, I mean, they're playing till like June at the very, very latest. So, I mean, it's like you said, you're, we're setting ourselves up for success. We're trying to prepare ourselves that way. I mean, it's a marathon at that point where you've got these games, practices, traveling, depending on if you're on a plane, buses. Um, so 
Yeah, we have to develop those habits. Because like you said, it's really hard to kind of start putting that stuff together in the middle of all these practices and games. And it's, yeah, we can't, it's hard to get develop a routine in chaos. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly said. And I will say, I will add that there is a benefit to postseason of like doing nothing, you know, being a little bit more with your nutrition. Like you've been so dialed in, so focused in that um, I call nutrition like a dimmer. So turning that dimmer down and allowing your social or your family um, or your yourself, you know, that dimmer go up, that's totally fine. Like you don't need to be cooking all your meals during that time. You don't need to be, you know, being so dialed in. Like there is a purpose behind just allowing yourself to breathe and be a human and not a machine. In fact, that is really beneficial. So I will give a little shout out to post um, season and like I think having that recovery period is is mm-hmm. all as important. Facts, facts. Everyone, we, we look forward to that postseason after competition. You're like, all right, yeah, I want a large fry. <laughs> I don't want it small anymore. Uh, yeah, got you. Uh, last last couple of questions, Christina. One, I mean, it's probably been the, the most uh, probably the most the most fun podcast I've done in a long time, if not the most fun. So shout out to you. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, currently, I know we gotta talk about this. Like you know, you you actually uh, partnered with Gatorade Performance Partner, and um, you know you've done some some cool work with them. And I I know you also shared it as well on um on LinkedIn. But want to touch a little bit more on kind of like you know what you've been what you've had going on with them, you know, and you know some of the the stuff that you've been able to kind of accomplish so far. Yeah. So Gatorade Performance Partner has been a really helpful um, part of my career. For those who don't know, Gatorade Performance Partner is a community of sports professionals. So we've got dietitians, um, strength coaches, and athletic trainers. And basically, it's a um, place for resources um, for all things about nutrition, strength conditioning, and athletic trainers. It's a really awesome tool, especially if, let's say, you don't have a dietitian on site or anyone to refer to, or like you just decide not to reach out to me. Um, you there's plenty of resources on there, plenty of like handouts that you can use with your athletes that are really really good um and so and it's all like free too um they'll also do ceus which i think is uh, fantastic uh, <laughs> as those continuing educations are something else but you know we need to do them uh so yeah they've been great and an amazing partner um for my career um they are also just really innovative so one of the things that um you know, we've been working to um, working with is that they have their uh, Gatorade sweat patches, which I just had a post about. Um, super cool. Um, you know, you can, it's basically a patch that you put on your body. Um, and as a practitioner, you can uh, have your athletes like sign up and you can see like what their sweat rate is, as well as their salt concentration, which is huge, especially the dietitian to then be like, okay, this is how many ounces that you would need to aim for, as well as maybe what are some salty foods that we can include. It is like one of the personalized data information that you can use. Um, so uh, just kind of spreading the word about that product um, is like one of the projects that I've been working on. Yeah. And I, once I saw, um, I was like, oh, Christina's get partners with Gatorade. I was like, oh, she's big time. I was like, I don't know if I got, I'm going to break the bank to get her on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, I think that that's great. Just like you and I talked about, like, it's, it's a community, you know, for anyone, obviously like practitioners, but also, you know, if you have someone like a head coach who's like, 
and I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And they're maybe working with high school and they need some resources for their players or their teams or whatever, you know, they have that access to that. And like you said, it's, you know, basically free or for strength coaches who are in a pinch. Um, so yeah, no, I wanted to definitely touch on that because I saw the post and I was just like, cool. I want to make sure she's allowed to share some of the stuff she's doing. That way I don't want to get her dropped. And then she's like, Xavier, you got me fired. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, that's awesome. I appreciate you for sharing that. Yeah, no, they're a great community and they do a lot for um, practitioners. You know, you think of, of, and I'm not speaking on behalf of them, but in my experience, I feel like you think of Gatorade and you think of them directly serving the the athletes, but who, what about the people who serve our athletes as well too? So our, our coaches, our, our dietitians, athletic trainers, like you're so focused on helping your athletes that like, it feels so good to be like someone out there cares about us. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, they've been amazing. Got you. Um, so the golden question, when someone reaches out to, or needs to reach out to you, they're like, look, I need to get my nutrition on point. I'm sold. I don't need to hear anything else. Where can people find you? How can they reach out to you in order to utilize the services you provide? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I do have my own private practice, um, which you can just send me a message either on Instagram. So it's at Christina Y. Chu, or, um, you can go to my website. Do people go to websites anymore? We'll plug it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll plug and cross our fingers. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like most, I've been doing this a lot too, is I've just been looking at their Instagram and then I go to their link and then I go to their website. Yeah, Anyways. I mean, typically that's what I do. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Anyways, if you want to type it in HTTPS colon slash slash www.worldwideweb.christinawhitesu.com I'll answer to your question. Central crisis about the internet. Um, but yeah, ChristinaWhiteShoe.com. Um, that leads to my um, page. And then you can read more about me um, or just use that contact form. Um, there is a button at the top to schedule a call. So um, I do free 15 minute calls for those who are interested. Um, if you're a coach or a strength coach who, you know, wants to learn more or wants to become connected, please reach out. Um, I love forming those connections within our community. I think they need to happen more often. Um, please reach out. Please tell me who you are, by the way, because I'll be honest, I get some messages and I'm like, who are you? Like, <laughs> amazing. Are you about it? Yeah. Like, where are you coming from? Let me know you're coming from this podcast. How can I help you um, be direct? You know, like that will certainly help us not be around the bush. Um, mm -hmm. Little business 101 there for you, free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> free game, uh, more free game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm more than happy to, to chat with any coaches as well too. Got you. And I'll make sure I plug all that. That way, if you don't want to type in HTTPS, <laughs> I can easily just click the link. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Christina, like I said, this, I think you dropped so many gems. Like there's so many clips and stuff I want to share, obviously with the coaches and everyone around us. But also I think just, I have some athletes actually listen to this too. Um, and they actually take some game from it. So I think you breaking it down so that way, one, like as a coach, like I can take some value from it, but also to uh, anyone that's listening, that's a player. And, you know, they've always got a million and one questions about, you know, nutrition. One, they can reach out to you, but two, in the meantime, they can listen to the podcast. So I just yeah. want to say one, thank you again for a dope podcast. And uh, I'm definitely probably going to be bugging you in the future 
about some, some nutritious yeah. stuff. Please do. I love it. I love it. I mean, I honestly, as a dietitian, I would rather you bug me than one, try and figure it out yourself and then possibly do it wrong or two, let that ego kind of take over and be like, oh, I can do this on my own. And then okay. now you're not providing a quality, you know, service to your, to your athletes. Right. So for mm -hmm. me, I, that is never, never a bother because it shows that you are you understand what your role is and your role is not nutrition. You understand that that's my role, right? I am never mm -hmm. going to an athlete how to um, do a clean and jerk or um, mm -hmm. program workouts or help them with their basketball skills. My God, you do not want me to help with that. So um, please reach out as I would for you guys as well too. <laughs> gotcha. I just put myself uh, on the spot there and that if you ever wanted to win a game of basketball, invite me to play. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if we need someone yeah, we're, we're trying to shape points just put christina on the team <laughs> yeah i'm more than happy to like I, i'll be completely transparent the skill was never my forte but the nutrition on the other hand mm -hmm. <laughs> i got you christina oh. it, it was it was it was so great having you on and um yeah like i said if you need to please reach out to her and if you think you don't need it please feel reach out to you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, Christina. Of course. All right. Bye.